Hello and welcome to the Pursuing Progress podcast episode 9, where we have honest conversations to help us fall forward. And I hope you've enjoyed the previous podcasts on my postgraduate research reflections. That was a really, that was a big blast to, yeah, to do that and to reflect and to think about all the lessons and the, yeah, the things you learn about yourself while doing a master's. It's so much more than just the kind of piece of paper and the kind of document uh, that you're able to, to read online and all the articles that have been able to publish, but it's, it's a life journey and you learn so much and it's such a steep learning curve and there's so much more I can reflect on, but I'd like to kind of talk about other things as well. Uh, so yeah, today is going to be a little kind of change of pace. It's going to be something a bit more, more personal, more kind of a really kind of deep scar or something that's really cool to me and something that's really shaped who I am today. It's, it's the, yeah. So this episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, what has been like, you know, growing up without a dad. I know this, yeah, like it's something still kind of, you know, really cool and really still hurts, uh, to talk about and to reflect about. And I know a lot like this, this whole situation has, you know, is quite common among a lot of people like around the world, like it's its own kind of epidemic or pandemic. Uh, there's so many families that have been torn apart by, you know, fathers or, uh, like people will lose parents, like either the mother or the father, you know, through different means, whether through it's like divorce or kind of marital affairs or, uh, maybe the, yeah, lost parents to, you know, accidents, like car accidents, you know, um, violence, physical assault, maybe they've gone to war, maybe they've, yeah, maybe they've left, maybe they've, yeah, just whatever means. And people have experienced so many different, you know, different amount of like severity of loss, uh, by, you know, either gruesome means or what, by whatever means. And I think everyone's experience is going to be different. Uh, when I kind of, you know, when people kind of talk about their experience of, you know, not growing up without a dad and, you know, it, it affects people differently. Uh, you know, it's going to diff, um, it's going to affect you differently and, you know, as a, as a girl growing up or as a guy growing up, or if you lose them later in life, or maybe you never knew them at all. And so it's hard to kind of encapsulate everything, um, that like every kind of effect or side effect that it has and all the kind of dribbling effects and all the domino effects that kind of, yeah, that kind of happen, uh, when a dad's not in, um, in your life in those kind of critical developmental stages of life, because it's, you know, like, I don't want to dive too much into kind of the psychology and all the science and all the research and statistics, uh, because it kind of puts too much of a kind of box or a label around, around it. I think people will experience it differently and have different effects. Uh, like I think the science and the research will kind of say there are some common themes between different, you know, between people that have, you know, that have a fatherless like kind of childhood. And I don't know, I just, something just doesn't kind of sit too well with that because it's so like, it's such a spectrum of like what can happen and how it can affect you and how it can change your behavior and how you perceive the world. Um, so what I try, what I'm trying to kind of 
do um, by talking about is, is hopefully just help, you know, people that are listening, just get an understanding of, you know, what, you know, what it feels like, um, you know, to not have a dad around and um, all the different ways that it can manifest into kind of strange behaviors or behaviors that you don't really feel is normal per se. If, you know, you have a you know family unit that's kind of together and, you know, learn the little lessons to, you know, maybe, maybe you're going through it yourself or maybe you can, you know, people that, you know, grew up with other father and just helping you to, you know, empathize and to have honest conversations with them and to really know how to love and serve them well, because I think a lot of, you know, frustration and loss of communication and all these, you know, unexplained um, trauma and unprocessed trauma can actually cause a lot of kind of tension and friction between people because, you know, we just don't understand um, or we don't really know what's going on behind the behind the scenes kind of thing. So it's going to hopefully make a bit of sense. <laughs> hopefully, like I, I don't think I've completely reflected upon everything of all the fallout. I haven't examined all of it, but I think, yeah, I think by just telling my story of how it is and um, how it's affected me, I hope just, yeah, those little lessons to, you know, help you understand and hope you can yeah find it insightful and find it encouraging um but yeah i think going into like talking about this is obviously going to be raw and i'm gonna have moments where i probably pause and kind of <laughs> am lost for words kind of thing but hope i can get through it without crying or uh, shedding any tears but um thank you for listening <laughs> just in advance um, but yeah, I think I'll just jump right into it. And so before I, before I start, I think it's really, imp- like, I think it's important to address this. Like, I, you know, the whole, like it is 2020 and we're in this kind of society where, you know, there's been major conversation, you know, the past few years about, you know, the, um, efficacy of, you know, having two dads or two moms or, or whatever. Um, and it is, like, I don't have any doubts or grudges or anything against that at all. Like, I think, you know, two moms being, or two dads just being, you know, amazing parents, amazing people that can, you know, instruct kids well, can really, uh, are really, you know, well-trained, really disciplined and really organized, can, you know, give a child a good, um, you know, upbringing and, and yeah, like, you know, this is how it is. And, you know, there's all these different circumstances that, you know, uh, have kind of led to that situation. And yeah, like I have no doubt that, you know, two moms or two dads can um, be a fantastic parent. So it's, so this podcast isn't like addressing that or kind of downplaying that at all. So I hope it doesn't get taken that way. Um, so just, it's just me and my experience um, and just reflections as a guy, um, because in your developmental age, you know, you're zero to three years old or, you know, however long when you're still a child, you, you learn, you kind of get a picture of the world. You get a, you kind of learn about the world and kind of construct your view of the world through learning by example. 
So you're going to see, um, you know, you're going to see your mum and dad, like love each other well. And that's your, you know, that's your view of what, you know, love is and what happiness is and all the joy and laughter that you see between your mum and dad. Like, that's how you kind of get a picture of the world. And like, this is what it feels to be happy. And uh, when you see them sad, like, this is what it feels to be sad. And, you know, you don't realize it consciously, but that's like how you're kind of, um, view forms of, of the world, of all the emotions, of all the, um, yeah, you like read body language, you read, um, yeah, all these things about, you know, how we communicate through example and your example of what a guy is, the first, you know, the first man in your life would be your father. The first woman in your life is your mother and they give that example of what it means to be a guy or a girl. And so growing up, um, you know, you, I think, you know, people who have worked with kids, uh, realize that they can pick up on hypoc hypocrisy really, really well. Um, because you would always, you know, hear parents, you know, try to teach their kids or to, you know, talk to the kids about certain things, but if they don't see it by example, like they're going to, kind of, they're going to realize there's a hypocrisy there if, if it's different, but if there's something different between what you do and what you say, they're going to pick up on it really quickly because they're learning by example. And so, you know, we emphasize a lot about, you know, parenting and how to kind of bring your kids up well, and it all really comes down to how you live by example, like your behaviors that are observable by, by the child. And, you know, if it's, constant fighting, they're going to pick up on that. If it's, you know, this really loving and encouraging relationship, they're going to see that and they're going to, you know, emulate that for, you know, in the future. And so I think that that's the kind of preface, um, I want to kind of lay down as I go into this kind of podcast, because, you know, as, as a guy, I need, uh, for me to get a good understanding of what it means to be a man in this world, I needed one close to home that I can see how he behaves, how I can see how he, you know, loves his wife, loves his daughters, sons, you know, how he relates to friends. That is so fundamental um, to how I'm supposed to, like, it gives you such a great foundation to kind of step up into what it means to be a man. Um, I think, you know, it is, it's just so, so essential in that kind of upbringing process. Like I know like my mom, you know, a single mom can just tell me all the things that a man should do, you know, um, be, like be like this, be like this, don't do this, but you're going to learn much more effectively and much more powerfully by seeing it demonstrated and seeing it, um, lived out in someone that you're really close to or someone who's family. And so like, that's the same with so many different things. Um, for me as an exercise physiologist, or maybe you as a, um, you know, personal trainer or anything, you, you can talk all about it. You can talk about all the theory and all the things that you should and shouldn't do. Um, but in the end, you know, if, say for me, like demonstrating an exercise, I can tell the person how to do a squat. I can tell the person how to do a deadlift. But it's just, there's that missing link um, 
if they don't see it. If they don't really see it, what it looks like, or they have no idea about it, and I just tell them words, like that's only gonna go so far into teaching them how to do it. And so when you demonstrate a squat for them, when you demonstrate a, you know, a deadlift and talk about all the different things you need to focus on, that's gonna be so much more effective in kind of teaching them that skill um, or how to deadlift. There's, Cause there's so many things uh, involved in, you know, for example, a deadlift, like the, all the little kind of nuances and little intricacies that, you know, you, that aren't really seen by the naked eye when you kind of look, look at someone do the movement. And so when you have someone who knows about it, who's lived it, who's, you know, got much experience in it, I think you learn so much well, so much more because it's their lived experience and they live and breathe it. It's not something they read about or they observe in others. It's they've done it before. Yeah. Like, that's that's something way more more powerful than just saying hey this is what you do what you don't do read about it um like or just listen to me talk about it and so yeah um that's that's just the kind of preface that i needed uh to kind of lay down um that's just what i wanted to do and so just jumping into kind of my story and so I was born in, you know, Taiwan, you know, the country that doesn't exist. Um, and if, you know, I moved to, a, I immigrated to Australia um, early on, uh, I think it was two or three years old. So I didn't really have an idea of kind of what was going on um, or any idea of my own surroundings. And so we were in Australia with my mom and my sister and we were living with my auntie at the time. And it it just felt like that was the norm because that's all I really knew. Um, and every year we'd um, go back to, you know, Taiwan and yeah, you know, I see my dad there, but um, it was like, you know, we'd go out and stuff, but he just didn't really seem that invested, like emotionally invested at, you know, during that time. Um, you know, he would have to, you know, get asked by my mom to do stuff with me or to, you know, just like play little games or just to kind of like, just play around or do, do anything. And so he would usually be at work and then come back a bit later. And his kind of quote unquote parenting style was just, you know, like just to throw money at the problem. Uh, if I needed something, so like, oh, what do you need? I'll, I'll go buy it. And I don't know, I just became this kid of like, I don't need anything. I don't want you to buy buy me anything. Um, but I didn't know how to express it. I was really young at that age. But like inside, I was just like, I don't want these things. I don't want you to buy, you know, so-and-so or, you know, the newest PlayStation or whatever. Um, like there was such a kind of emptiness to that. I was just like, it just felt really unfulfilling at the time. But I didn't know what it was or how to express that. And so it was a lot of back and forth throughout school. It was just like, yeah, go back to, um, you know, go back to high, go back to school, <laughs> go to school. And then kind of at the end of the year for the summer holidays, we'd uh, go back to town for, uh, you know, a few weeks and yeah. And so that was just what I knew as like the norm. Um, like I didn't feel like it didn't feel like I was kind of missing out on anything. Um, I, it's just kind of like went about with life just as is. And, you know, it, it just felt normal that, 
you know, I was just there with my mum, <laughs> just my mum. And she had to, you know, uh, like pick up the slack <laughs> at the time of, you know, all the kind of different things that a dad would you know, typically do with, with a son. So like things like just throwing, throwing a ball and catch, <laughs> playing catch, like those really stereotypical things that you probably see in movies that, you know, just, just playing catch with dad <laughs> kind of thing. Like that was another thing. Um, and like mom had to pick up that slack and she wasn't really into that whole thing, but she, you know, she did that. Um, she, you know, spent a lot of time teaching me to ride a bike, um, because it was really embarrassing because I hadn't really learned how to ride a bike. And then in year, in fourth grade, we had this kind of like road safety, kind of like bike riding kind of thing. And we had to kind of ride bikes and mom was just like, oh no, like he hasn't, he doesn't know how to ride a bike. Um, and so she spent a, you know, a good <laughs> amount of hours just one night, just like, yeah, getting a bike and then just like, yeah, just like, just pushing me and just kind of, yeah, encouraging me just to keep pedaling, keep pedaling. And, um, yeah, <laughs> had those training wheels on, which is really embarrassing just to think about it now. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. And I would just, when I just didn't pick it up, I just, yeah, I would just throw tantrums and I just make it really difficult, but she, she just kind of persisted and just did not give up until I had, you know, some sort of decent idea of how to ride a bike. And yeah, it took quite a few hours, uh, late at night to, to do it. Cause you know, that excursion was a day after and, you know, I, you know, went to that excursion and went through the whole road safety stuff and, you know, rode the bike. Okay. Um, you know, not enough to be noticed by school friends or, or anything or to be made fun of, which is, which is nice. Cause you know, that's a critical time not to be bullied for anything. Um, you know, hopefully no one, no one gets bullied. Um, but it is a sad reality anyway. And so it, yeah. And, you know, I got into soccer at a, a young age and she had to drive me to all the games and she had to drive me to training. And, you know, she like, she's a piano teacher, but more about that kind of, yes. Yeah, so like I don't play piano, which is really sad. But anyway, she's a piano teacher and she had a lot of students kind of lined up on on the Saturday, which is when, you know, when soccer is, and she had to give that up just to kind of take me around. Cause I wasn't going to drive around as an eight year old and yeah, like she did all these things and it just felt like the norm, you know, everyone else's dads would be, you know, at, at the soccer games or at training kind of watching and kind of encouraging. And, you know, like I didn't, I looked around and, you know, it was, it was fine. Like, I just thought that was just kind of normal. Like, you know, my dad's overseas, he's working, it's fine. And, you know, and then like, I think my mom was the only mom there. Everyone else had dads to kind of take them and kind of help train their kids. And like, that just felt normal. Like I, I played to a high-ish level um, where, you know, it required, um, yeah, it required a bit more training and had a, had a few games that had to go, had to drive a bit further. And she was willing to do that, uh, on, on a weekend. And so it just felt normal. Um, I didn't really see much of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so you went through high school and, you know, seemingly normal, it felt happy. 
um, and then finish my HSC like on top of the world or, you know, or just glad, glad it's over. Uh, glad to finish year 12 and my high school education. I think a few, few months later afterwards, I think we, you know, obviously had a bit of an argument and disagreement about different things. And then I think because I finished my HSC and um, it was, you know, I, I had that kind of like three month gap to kind of sort things out or have my holiday, my well-deserved break from high school. And it was till then, till then that she finally kind of came forward to, yeah, to kind of tell me what, you know, this whole family situation was about. And it was kind of <laughs> devastating to hear because it was just this kind of like shattering of this ideal utopia that I had, like, you know, the, the world that I was, I was in, it was, it was all right. It was functioning well, it was rolling well, but you know, this, this grim kind of reality check that, yeah, no, it's not. There's all this kind of, you know, grossness and darkness all around that I didn't really see. And that was when, you know, she broke it to me that, you know, the reason why we're over here is because, you know, dad had committed an affair, like very early on in the marriage, even before, or well, before marriage, actually, because he was, he was quite the kind of, like womanizer, I, I suppose, or like he always had, he was someone who, you know, had girls around, you know, maybe like multiple at a time and, you know, had side pieces or whatever. And, you know, he's not even that good looking anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so there would just be like constant fights and things with the marriage, like, you know, this, this stuff obviously kind of happens you know, while I was sleeping as a kid, <laughs> uh, where they had those fights and, and talks and negotiations. And I think, you know, when that kind of dropped, like, you know, oh, like they're separated because of all the kind of laws around divorce in other countries, it's a bit, bit weird, bit wacko, but, um, but yeah, like I, yeah, like, I just felt silent and like, it's one of those, you know, you can hear a pin drop kind of thing because, you know, everything I thought about him, just like this, you know, this dad that I see was just, you know, he's just working, <laughs> um, you know, helping pay the, pay the bills or help out with the mortgage or, or whatever. Like it, it just, you know, that kind of all, all shattered and all changed. It, it was just kind of like, well, okay, I, from, you know, liking him and kind of enjoying his company to now, like, I hate him for what he's done. I hate that he's done this, you know, to my mom and to the family. I, like, I was just in kind of shock. <laughs> um, it, yeah, so just kind of like, like, I get the whole, like, wanting to, you know, protect me throughout, you know, primary school and high school, not to let me know so I can, you know, go through high school and, you know, get a good education, not affected by something as big as this, which was, I think at the time I was just like, why didn't you tell me blah, blah, blah. And all the, ang all the stuff you say in anger when you find something out like this. But I think in the end, it just kind of became like, 
oh, like, I understand, uh, like, you know, under- totally understand. I think after a bit of time, it's just like, okay, this makes sense. I think I would have, yeah, I don't know how I would have turned out throughout high school if I kind of found out, found out really early. And, you know, th- when you realize, you know, that happened before marriage and it's just like, <laughs> then you think about like, why, why do I exist? Like, because, you know, if it happened before marriage, then, and I have an older sister, like put two and two together, like it, it feels like I'm an accident. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a joke that I tell myself in a non-self-deprecating way um, because, you know, I have this eight year age gap with, with my sister. So, and she's older. And so it's just like, huh, like, I don't know, maybe just was really good with, you know, words and feelings one day, you know, after, you know, whatever, don't want to think about it. It's not something anyone should think about. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, so all these questions kind of like sprung out. It's just kind of like, well, what do I like do with this, (laughs) this kind of information? And, you know, like I... You know, before, like me now, like I wasn't someone who really, you know, had people I could talk to about things or I didn't have, you know, healthy means of processing things that happened to me throughout high school. I didn't think that a psychologist was a thing. I, no one, like it was never pointed out to me because it was, Maybe this is an Asian culture thing. Maybe it's maybe it's not uh, or just the lack of awareness or kind of like not knowing how to express myself and find appropriate help. Um, but I didn't know what to do with that information. I had all these thoughts and questions running around in my head, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to move on properly from this. So it was quite like yeah you know like you just don't know what to do with it what you can do to change it what you can do to improve things and so you know I go through uni and it's I don't know it's like in the back of my mind um but it's it just felt eerie (laughs) um I wasn't I wasn't really like thinking straight you know, on the off day where, you know, things are a bit kind of low and moods kind of down, like maybe I'd, I'd think about it, but in the depths of me thinking about it, it's all of these like, what ifs, right? Like, you know, what if, you know, things turned out differently or what if I was, um, it was not an accident or if only like dad was entitled at all or if dad like, um, was a decent person, decent man, like I would blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I would have turned out differently. I would, you know, all that stuff. And then I think as I kind of went through uni and, you know, you talk to people and, you know, realize other people have dad issues too. It's yeah. And realize the impact that it's had on them. Like that, that kind of helped to kind of realize a lot of things about me and, the kind of domino effect that it had on all sorts of aspects of my life, whether it's, you know, my relationships with other people or, um, or how it 
kind of manifested because I was just holding on to so much kind of anger and hate and kind of this frustration that I couldn't really identify and I couldn't really deal with and didn't know how to really, you know, seek the right avenues to process it properly and healthily. And I, and I realized that I just didn't have any idea of what it (laughs) meant to kind of be a man on a day-to-day kind of level. Uh, like I, I was, you know, I went to church and there's a lot of kind of older men there. There are, there are fathers, grandfathers, there's, um, the kind of men around, which is, um, which is fantastic, but I'm not going to see them at home. <laughs> I'm not going to be with them like for a week at home just to kind of see how, you know, they live their daily life and how they, you know, love their kids or how they, you know, treat their wife kind of things. And you know, it's, it was then that I just kind of realized what I did miss. Um, yeah, just miss those little interactions that a, you know, a father has with the mom, like a husband with the wife. Um, just, you know, how to, you know, love a woman well, how to care for her when she's in need, how to, you know, care for the family when everyone's exhausted and stressed and, and tired and just really irritable and how, how to kind of keep a level head when everything's kind of falling apart or how to make tough decisions. And, you know, having those kind of ground principles that, you know, you hold yourself so tightly by that, you know, when circumstances come up, you don't, you know, compromise on your morals. You don't compromise on what you firmly believe in. And these are really kind of really foundational kind of principles that, you know, I don't want to say like it makes a man, but it's their characteristics and traits of a man that I kind of aspire to be. And like, I can read all about it. Like I've read all the, you know, how to be a man books and masculinity books. And yeah, it's the same thing as the whole preface that I talked about. Like I can read all about it. I can, you know, have people tell me about it and, you know, sing all the praises of their fathers about it. But on the day to day, it's so different. Like when you don't see it lived out, um, you know, as an example in front of you, it's yeah. Like all the theory, all the things, you know, can fly around in your head, but you don't, but to do it day by day is a whole different kind of kettle of fish and another can of worms. It's just not that simple. And, you know, it's really tough because um, I've been to church for so long. I've been around all these uh, different leaders who are, you know, who are single men or like they're married men or married men with kids and, and things like that. And like, it's, you know, it was a great, it was great to be around them. It's great to learn from them, have them, you know, have them to talk to and kind of talk about different things and explore different ideas and whatnot. But, you know, in the end, I, I don't know what it's like to do that on a daily basis. I don't know what it's like behind closed doors for them. Uh, like people talk about, yeah, like family life is really hard or this is really stressful. It's really hard to balance this, but you know, it's, it's to say it's one thing, but like 
like how do you deal it deal with it on a day-to-day basis like hour by hour minute by minute i i had to just guess all the time like i knew the theoretical principle of you know doing things or being in relationships but i just had to guess <laughs> just take educated guesses at what it means to do certain things and so like that definitely you know flows on into relationships i didn't know what <laughs> this is really embarrassing but i didn't know how to ask a girl out um it <laughs> it was really embarrassing like i think the second yeah like the first relationship just kind of happened i i didn't I don't even know if I formally asked. Um, but I think the second time I had to ask another guy to find out how to ask a girl out, which was just super like embarrassing. It's an awkward conversation, but he was nice about it and just said, Hey, like, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> like, no, like there was a bit more to it, but it's just kind of like, wow. Like I didn't hear that from my own family or father. Um, and you know, it's yeah or like principles of how to you know treat a girl well or treat a girl right it was just it's just a lot of guesswork from all the kind of inputs from from life like you know from friends and seeing other mums and dads and you know like movies creep in and culture creeps in and all the kind of youtube stuff creeps in you know i watched um you know, people in relationships on YouTube and see how they pan out. And, and so all this kind of input comes in and I'm just like, okay, I think through them and kind of make educated guesses of, you know, what, what seems right or what seems like a logical and helpful or good decision to make in this circumstance. And I think it really messed things up. Uh, for me, I think, you know, the people that I've been in relationships with, like all of them have ended so badly. All of them have ended up with them getting like hurt or just um, put in, you know, um, rude, where I've just said really hurtful stuff or I've done hurtful stuff. I've you know, thought terrible things of them and just said things I shouldn't have. And, you know, the, um, they, you know, the people that I've, you know, been in a closer relationship with, like, they don't want to see me ever again. They don't think, you know, I push it a bit far. It's just like, you know, they wish I was dead or they, they don't see me as someone who exists anymore. And it just ends up ended really in a really toxic way. And, you know, it was just, I guess, the whole thing of just guesswork. <laughs> um, you know, my last relationship, you know, uh, lasted around five years, just just a little under. And the majority of that was just like guesswork of, you know, what it means to love and to dote on someone and to, um, you know, treat them as they ought and how to kind of be a gentleman with them. And like, I was, yeah, I was pretty good at, you know, um, doing those nice gestures. Cause I've, you know, I can observe that from other people and, and yeah, like I 
<laughs> just I think I just went a bit too far with um, a lot of the gestures. So, you know, things like paying for meals, like I paid for like probably 95% of all the meals that we had in the last relationship. I would, you know, um, go and pick her up from work like three days out of five. Uh, and I would, you know, call her every day or, you know, message her every, every night to tell her good night and I love you and, and things. And I, I just became like super exhausted and tired. And I was just like, I, just, <laughs> I don't know, like, um, it probably didn't help that, you know, she had similar, you know, similar issue with her father as well. And so putting, you know, two people together like that is probably just going to, you know, exacerbate and kind of exaggerate problems. Um, you know, our, both our kind of unprocessed trauma kind of manifested and probably in the end just stabbed ourselves, <laughs> um, in the heart. And, you know, it, you know, it just descends into this place of like, yeah, like, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know if I have it in me to, you know, emotionally, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, like invest in another relationship with a girl. Um, like, it's not a conversation like, oh no, I'm attracted to guys, whatever. No, like, you know, <laughs> my orientation is straight. And it was just like, I don't know if I have that emotional capacity, capacity to like invest in another human being and to, you know, eventually marry and have, you know, <laughs> to live with them and to do every single day with them for, you know, to the day I die. And like, you know, from my past experience, it's just like, I, I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I have the, you know, the maturity to, to be that person or to do that. And, you know, it, it, it's devastating because I'm, I'm someone that, you know, wants to be married and have kids and everything. But I, I, you know, with who I am, what I am, how I am at the moment, I just, it's just really, really difficult to see like a time of, you know, this, a time where I would actually be like, okay. <laughs> Um, and like, you're going to have, you know, people will come around and say, oh, like, you know, everyone has their own time, own tra trajectory, own timeline, and no one's ever ready for marriage. And I don't know, like, it's just seeing that how broken everything is, um, how miserable people are, how weird people are and how they deal with things and how they communicate you know, within a relationship when you have work stress and kids and, and all these other things and bills and mortgages and whatnot, it just becomes, I don't know, life just becomes, you know, this outlook that I have right now, it's just like, life is always stressful as it is already. Like, you know, me trying to find work, find purpose, find blah, blah, blah. And, you know, do these podcasts and try to, you know, find work, try to make an impact, try to maintain friendships, have to, you know, help pay bills and help, help do this and do that. And the whole notion of, you know, bring another human being into it has just been really no, like, oh, not off putting, but it's just like, I don't think that's a, 
that's an option for me for, yeah, at least the next five to 10 years. And, you know, that'll take me to 30, 35. And like, you know, for guys, it's like, okay, um, you know, it's, you know, societal and cultural of like, you know, the whole biological clock blah 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 and you know for guys it's different because they can marry whenever they want like look at George Clooney look at so and so and uh yeah like the whole biology and whatnot I don't don't want to get into it but I don't know like it just has put this just strange kind of skewed perspective and view on everything almost um, like, you know, it affects my self-confidence. It affects how I view relationships, you know, with guys and girls and with friends. Um, I don't know. I haven't, like, I wasn't able to kind of experience what it, what it's like for, you know, a man to take control of the, the household and to provide for the family and to care for the kids and to just, you know, be so kind of level-headed when there's so many different things, you know, on the table. And to, yeah, to make hard decisions, even though, like, people can scream at you and yell at you and um, and whatnot, you know. Your wife might say one thing and the kids might say one, one thing, your friends say another thing. And, you know, if it's in that kind of relationship where, you know, they they look to you as the leader of the house, like to make those decisions, like that takes a lot of, I don't want to say balls, but like it takes a lot of leadership and initiative that I, I want to build that. Um, I know that's a, that's an area that really is lacking in me. Um, I know that I struggle to take initiative. I know I struggle with with leadership and responsibility and just making decisions and, you know, taking responsibility for the consequences, no, no matter like positive or negative. And yeah, like just that, you know, this is, you know, is in the end, it's just one person, but I think the ripple effects, you know, come, you know, ring out, you know, to me, to my sister, to, um, to my mom and, you know, ripples out to the people I've interact with and my friends and, you know, people who used to be friends and all the broken relationships I've gone through. And, you know, it, it it's come down to me just feeling so fearful of everything. <laughs> it, you know, it teach like, uh, and there's so many examples of that where a tough decision has to be made, but I just cower and just run the other way. Um, there's situations where I needed to stand up for myself or I needed to stand up for other people. And I just stay silent and I just walk the other way. And any, any guy with any understanding of what it means to be a man, like, would just naturally, you know, stand up for themselves. Like I was a kid and I was just walking down the street and some, you know, older guys, like I was in primary school, I think. And some older guys just kind of like chilling in the corner, kind of those gang looking guys. Like they were just 
tossing a footy around. And then I was just walking home, like minding my own business. And like, you know, they decided to be funny if they like, <laughs> uh, threw the footy at my head and, um, <laughs> and they did. And they got me in the head. I just looked around. It's just like, Oh, what? And the ball was just like right there in front of me. And one of the older guys just came over and was just like, Oh, here, mate, <laughs> can I have the ball back? And I just willingly just chucked the ball back and didn't say a word, didn't, didn't really argue, didn't really say anything and just kind of kept walking and just, yeah, like I didn't get angry at it. I just kind of, okay, it's just, it's just them. I just walk away. And luckily like a friend saw that and like they fully questioned me. It's just like, they just, for no reason, chucked a footy at your head. They hit you and you just gave the ball back and didn't say anything like that's that's ridiculous and i was just like well like what am i supposed to do about it like <laughs> I'm, I'm a little kid and yeah they they can do as they please whatever like i'm not gonna change anything <laughs> and like that attitude was just like i want to say it's just directly linked because my dad was in my life like it's not that easy of a link but it's just in you know indirectly through all of the different you know correlates or things associated with it like i yeah like i just became this coward that just would let people just kind of walk all over me and just take advantage and i just wouldn't really care um like people would say like you know treat me unfairly or you know just yeah like make me get the like the crap end of the deal and i'll just be like okay yeah cool um like i don't know maybe i'm just like oh just let them be like scumbags or let them be the like ugly person in this situation and i'll just you know maintain my dignity but like having that attitude it's not going to take me anywhere in life it's it's not going to um because the world's not gonna just you know way for you to you know come to this job or this opportunity or this career like it's yeah you just have to go for it and just think you're like you're the best no one's gonna stand in your way and you're just gonna like get it and be brilliant and you know <laughs> and this attitude i have of just like letting other people just have their way and you know whatever suits them or whatever is you know benefits them like i'm happy with um you know i um yeah like there's been many opportunities like that uh i don't want to get specific with it uh, yeah no i won't but it's just like yeah when it comes to like me or someone else going for like a similar position or role like i'm I'm the first one to just bow out and be like, okay, like you can have it. Um, oh, actually I was at rugby trials because I was a skinny kid, but wanted to play rugby. And I think there were multiple, I want to say hookers, like dummy halves, um, who kind of play in the middle. And like, that was the position that I wanted to play. Like I played naturally in, and that's all I kind of knew, like how to play. And so the coach just came and said, Hey, like we've got too many dummy halves. Like, can someone play five eighth? And I was just like, I have no idea how to play a five eighth. Um, but like everyone else was kind of, 
um, already just so adamant or they wanted to play dummy half. Like they didn't budge about it. They didn't like, they didn't want to compromise. They didn't want to like move. And, and, you know, the coach is like, oh, like we want to see your, you know, flexibility and utility as well. And I was just like, okay, I'll take one. And, you know, <laughs> slotted into five eighth and I had no idea what it meant to be a five eighth. This is rugby league. I had no idea how to play it. I was just like, okay, I was just kind of, I had to be like told where to like stand for kickoff and where to kind of defend and, and all that. Like for dummy half, like you're in the middle of just making tackles and, you know, getting the ball when they, when your team plays the ball, blah, blah, blah. And like, I just had this very disastrous kind of game. <laughs> um, I was just so, so lost and like made like zero impact on the game. Cause I just like had no idea and, you know, no idea about, you know, runs and passes and all that, like, anyway. And so like, like that's just like a small example. And there's been so many more in my life where, I, yeah, I just kind of like, you know, bow down and let others pass me. And so like, you know, that seems odd to most people. Um, you know, you expect people to stand up for themselves and, and all that kind of jazz. And I'm not saying like all people with, you know, no dads, <laughs> no dads growing up are going to be this weak willed and kind of pushovers. Um, but it's just, it's just something that has, um, become apparent, uh, through, you know, my experience of not growing up as a dad. And I've, you know, I feel like that's something that, you know, would have been addressed um, like as such, like as a really early lesson, like in life, like, you know, something that a dad would tell his son, like constantly, like, you know, always stand up for yourself, like do, do what you feel is right. Just these kind of like really basic principles, um, that, yeah, like a dad would tell his son, like my mom was like fantastic, but she was already working like, you know, two full-time jobs, like being a mom and a dad and also like teaching piano and, you know, cooking and cleaning and, you know, the full-time job caring for the house and caring for my sister as well. And so it was hard, you know, it's like, oh, where was your mom? But like, she was already, you know, working three, four, like full-time jobs. And so she's already done like a fantastic, freaking amazing, incredible job at, you know, being a mom or being a, being two parents at, at once. And so it's hard to be like, Oh, like, oh, if only mom could have picked a little slack and done this for me and done this instead of dad, blah, blah, blah. But like the whole reason you have two parents is that they can share the load. They can, you know, whether you believe in gender roles or not, like you need two people to fulfill those roles. And what I believe is, you know, a man has his man, men roles and women have their, you know, roles <laughs> as a wife and roles as a husband. And, um, you know, that's the whole like complementarian kind of, viewer things like, you know, you can just shut me down and be like, Oh no, like two women and two girls, like two, two men can do it. And like, they can have those roles, but like, yeah, like <laughs> this is just my view and my, uh, my experience and, and what I believe it, it's not to impinge on yours, um, at all. <laughs> um, this is just me, what I believe, you know, as a Christian, as, um, as someone, you know, but it's not to, you know, devalue it. 
um, if if you're not a Christian, <laughs> like you can you can do what you want. I'm not here to, to judge or to do anything. Um, but I know this uh, this has been a long kind of rant already. It's already 15 minutes, and like I want to talk about like you know there has been silver linings. Just, I know this whole the majority has been kind of negative, and like it has been been positive and. Um, in different ways uh, like I've been able to see like how incredible my my mom is and like her pa- capacity to do all these things and manage all these different things by herself and like she didn't really get help and she had to sacrifice a lot she had to sacrifice like a really stable job a really like well-paying job you know to get me out of Taiwan to to hear like away from him and to see her like you know take me to training tell me to ride a bike and teach me to you know, she did tell me, you know, teach me life lessons that she learned as, you know, a kid growing up and, you know, taught me to appreciate the little things and to really concentrate and to, you know, have, have fun when you're having fun and study when you study, like just, you know, have this kind of narrow mind, not narrow minded, but just this like laser focus on the things you're doing, uh, whether it's work, whether it's study, whether it's play, whether it's a relationship, like give all that you got. Um, because there's nothing, nothing to lose. It's, and that was like, that has been a philosophy that I've, um, tried to live by, you know, imperfectly and yeah. And knowing and like getting told (laughs) repeatedly about appreciating the little things, like, you know, the first few hundred times I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is just something you say, but like, you know, the 251st time you're like, oh, then, then it kind of clicks. I'm like, okay. Like, there are little things I can appreciate, even though we're not in the best financial situation. We still have roofs over our heads. We have clothes on our back. We have, you know, clean air to breathe. We have water. We have, um, you know, access to shops and resources and, and whatnot. And that has helped, you know, carve out a really kind of grateful, oh, grateful life and just gratitude for the little things and, you know, that's, I think that's what has helped me to just reflect so much about my postgraduate research, like thesis, like it could have easily just been a degree I just did and just kind of forgot about, but you know, I'm, I don't think I've finished reflecting and kind of thanking, uh, so my previous podcast was just kind of thanking all the people that were involved. And I think that you know, mom's philosophy of just having gratitude and just appreciating all the di- little different things that happen um, to me and for me, like has, you know, built this kind of really grateful heart um, for li- the little things. Like I think my supervisor's just been a bit, like overwhelmed by how much I'm thanking him and kind of appreciating him for um, the things he did, even though, you know, it's just kind of, t- not just kind of two years, it is two years, but like, you know, he's, been involved in so many big things and bigger things and on a you know bigger scale than just me but like I yeah like from him just like making himself available for emails when he's like in another country or in another hemisphere another kind of continent like I found that so like inspiring and encouraging that I just yeah like I just was just so filled with gratitude that I just needed to like constantly thank him. And like, I think I've repeated that time, that, that line of thanks just so, so many times. Um, even like before I finished, I was just like, thank you for so much for making this time. 
Um, I know you're in, you know, whoop whoop <laughs> in the Northern hem- Hemisphere, but like, geez, like this really means a lot to me. This is, this is like super. <laughs> um, and like, I, I, I love that about me. But, Wow. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is that, <laughs> that line just then like was actually the first, <sighs> first time that I said that I love something about myself. <laughs> um, so if you've made it this far, um, yeah, join me in this kind of moment <laughs> um, um, yeah. um yeah um sorry that's that's another thing to process and i'm glad you're here with me to process this live um but Oh yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we're all going to have really tough situations that, um, that we're going to deal with in life. Um, you know, mine's, mine's not the worst case scenario. Um, I'm, I'm still blessed with, you know, a mom that loves me. I've still got, you know, a roof over my head and clothes and, um, access to resources and, you know, government support and whatnot. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's, there are people that are going through really tough times. Um, you know, this pandemic might've affected people on a much bigger scale than I, than me. This, you know, there are people who don't know if they'll make it through tomorrow. And, you know, there are some people that face those situations that go through it and become just this, just this strong and powerful person that doesn't let, you know, life dictate things for you. Um, that they, you know, they just go and make those difficult choices every day that lead to something great. Uh, like there's, you know, there's so many stories of people that have just gone through just the worst thing imaginable and have come out the other side, just wonderful people that, you know, you're so inspired by and, you know, they, they go on with their head, you know, go on with their life, just making a massive impact on other people and, you know, showing them a way that, you know, things are okay, you're, you know, you're loved, you're cared for, and, like, there's hope for everyone, um, and, you know, I, like, to be honest, I had, like, a bit of a breakdown, like, I think last week, where, I was just so appalled with where my life was at. 
and I was just like, I'm, I'm 26 and I have no idea what I'm doing. I just did a master's degree, but I don't know where it's going to take me. All my friends are working full time and seemingly, you know, have some sort of career path ahead of them. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, I'm doing all these odd jobs for, for people, just running classes once a week or caring for this person once a week and, and doing, you know, tutoring like once or twice a week. And those are so casual and temporary that I, I'm just like, what am I doing? And I, I had this just breakdown of like, if... <laughs> Like if I don't do anything, if I don't make anything of my life by, by like 30, like I consider just ending, <laughs> ending my life. Um, and it was just this dark, dark place. And I know quarantine doesn't help and, you know, I should go out for a walk. So I don't kind of get to that dark place, but I think as I just, you know, reflect now, it's been good to remind myself that, you know, there's, there's hope for everyone. And, you know, if people can go through the absolute worst and, and, you know, just make those hard decisions day by day and come out of it, you know, just just this wonderful person like that's who can make an impact on others and to you know share this hope that you know people don't think they have um that's just like lovely that's just wonderful that's just great and I know my negative mentality wants to tell me that, no, like that's not going to happen to you. You're not going to be that person. Like this is going to keep you down forever. But like, I hope as I, you know, reflect, I, I'm learning you know, on the go as well as I reflect, you know, life to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that this positive lesson and this kind of enlightening lesson can push away this negative mentality that, you know, this is not going to happen for me. And, you know, other people are, you know, much better than you and much more deserving, blah, blah, blah. Hope, yeah, this positive lesson of just, you know, whatever the circumstance, like there is, there is hope and a possibility that, you know, you can make things better. Um, you know, just top of the head, like Nick Vujicic, like someone born without like arms or legs, like society will say like, He's got no use. Like he can't work. He can't do whatever. But he's become this like international like speaker who's just you know loves Jesus, preaches God's love to people, and just has been an inspiration and motivation, aspiration for so many different people all around the world, like all across the country, like so many different countries. Like he went to like, high school to to talk and like. You know, like, if you don't have arms and legs, like, your first thought is, like, what can I do with my life? And, like, his heart of, you know, gratitude and for the little things, like, he talks about his, like, he 
you know, thanks God for his little like drumstick or his like leg, um, you know, that helps him like swim a little bit and to helps him like get up. Um, and like that message of hope is so powerful um, that it's just helped so many people come out of this really dark place. And like, I'm not, you know, putting myself on that level, but it's just that whole principle, right? Like when you come to this place of depression and hopelessness and, you know, anxiety and stress and, and doubts about yourself and, you know, what you have going for you, you know, in the future, it's, um, yeah, it's hard to get out of that, but, you know, if someone, you know, it's not, I don't want to compare, but like if someone can go through something like that and, you know, come out of it, you know, just this incredible figure to look up to, like that's, that's incredible in itself. And, you know, like I'm trying as hard as I can to try and work towards that kind of principle um, to, you know, use this crappy situation that I'm in to make something of it. And, you know, I'm going to face all sort, sorts of obstacles in it. Uh, you know, my negative mental health and mentality, you know, to start, like that's going to be a huge one to, to overcome. But it'll, it'll be a process. It might take years. It might, you know, could take a few, a few days, a few weeks, but, you know, most likely a few years. Uh, to get to it but I think I just gotta believe that it's possible um, not to sound like a you know athlete slogan <laughs> you know impossible is nothing or just do it but I think you know having having hope and believing that it's possible is such is the biggest first step to getting things done that that's out there. I think you go into something believing that it's not for you or this is not going to happen, then of course you're going to fail. And so this is like a lesson I'm just learning right now. Um, and I hope it's encouraging for you, but yeah, when you go and try different things, just, you know, hope, pray, um, and believe that it's possible. Um, it's possible you can, you can do it. You can, you know, get that job or achieve that milestone or to achieve that goal. And, you know, in the end, you'll surprise yourself. Um, I think when you listen to all these people who, you know, who have kind of made it, they, yeah, they talk about just, you know, just sticking true to what you believe and believe that, you know, they'll one day make it and, you know, through all the hard work and through the process, they do it. They, they make it happen. And so it's, yeah, something I have to do for myself and hope it's an encouragement to you that, yeah, I think if a good first step, you know, there's multiple first steps you can take, but one good one is believing that it's possible and that will you know, your thoughts will dictate your behaviors quite well, according to psychology. And so if you work on your thoughts and believing you can do it, believing it's possible for you, um, that will, 
they'll go a long way um, as opposed to thinking it's not for you or like you won't get it or this is um, this is just not possible uh, for you <sighs> this has been quite the journey reflecting and if you made this like one hour and seven minutes in like um, you know kudos to you <laughs> uh, thanks for listening uh, I hope it's been I hope it's been engaging uh, to go on this journey with me and I hope it's been encouraging, insightful, helpful um, in its own way uh, for you. And I'll, I'll leave that here. Like, feel free to, you know, message me. I'm, my Instagram handle is at aechen.11. Um, yeah, like, feel free to, like, DM me and, yeah, share your thoughts at as well. Um, I know, you know, these are my first few <laughs> podcasts. I won't have a lot of people, but like if it's impacted you or, you know, it's brought up some, some things you want to talk about, like I'm, you know, I'll respond <laughs> to, to your DMs and your messages. Like, you know, I'm in quarantine. I don't have work at the moment, so I've got time <laughs> um, to have that conversation. But anyway, that's just, that's just me and just put that offer out there. I know, you know, probably won't be taken, which is fine. Um, but yeah, it's out there, but thanks so much for listening. Um, well, we'll see you at the next one. Uh, signing out for now in love and peace. Bye.